Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording from our Passover prep learning series. Because it's so few of us, which is actually pretty awesome, we can we can talk about like what you're looking for in having a creative Seder. And before we do that, I'll just kind of share with you some of the staples that I use. Really, this comes from my parents. Last year, um, when I taught this class, I taught it with my mom. Um, because my parents are both educators and my mom, ever since I can remember, has always done a creative Seder. It doesn't matter if there are kids around or not. She just feels like Passover is really ripe for creativity. And so she has kind of put in my mind <laughs> this idea that creating a Seder is not just, oh, let's open a book and let's read what the book says, but really, you know, who's coming? How can we make it interactive? So as you'll see here, and those of you who are listening on the podcast, you can't see, but just imagine, um, these are just many different Haggadot that over time I have collected and used, and some of them you'll see tabs in. Um, and, you know, I've, I've used them for different things. Sometimes this is the Haggadah that my family uses every year. It's the conservative movement's Haggadah. Um, and this was the Haggadah that I grew up using, which is... I don't even know who it's by, but it's just. I think it's Burnbaum. I don't. I don't see Burnbaum on here. It says Ktav Publishing House. Goldberg. It's Goldberg. Okay, great. Yeah, it's it's the one with the goat on the back or the that was the one animal on the back. First started making Right. So this is this this is the Haggadah that I used. You know, growing up at Sinai Kiba, this was the Haggadah that we used when we did model seders. So these are really the two. Right, (laughs) right, and it's not as brief as the Maxwell, which I have there. So, you know, in some families, you use just one Haggadah. One of the things that I've tried to do, if I'm having Passover Seder with people who can stand this, um, I give everybody a different Haggadah. Because one of the things that's so cool about Passover is that each Haggadah, but also each family does things a little bit differently. So, for example, if I have this graphic novel, Passover Haggadah, and someone else has the feminist Haggadah and someone else has the Agam Haggadah, when we get to Karpas, they're going to look very different. And so the conversation around the table ends up being, well, what does Karpas say for you versus what does Karpas say for you? And it kind of writes itself as opposed to having to kind of contrive questions or or activities around certain parts of the Seder. So that's one way of just, I mean, that's creativity without you really doing much work, except for buying the different Haggadot. Um, you have to keep everybody like on the same track. Right, right. Having, I mean, that's a lot of work. I, I think that's it like does help a <laughs> lot yeah, yeah. if you have a group of people familiar with the Seder, so that it's like, okay, everybody, find the four questions, and you're not reading page Twenty right, in this right, book, right. page, you know, forty-two. Right, right, right. Exactly. right. I mean, here you can. We can do the activity now. Like you just here, everyone take a different Haggadah. Actually, this is no, this is just a. Um, this is the worst Haggadah. <laughs> and Norm has the worst Haggadah. So. So if we were going through a Seder, for example, you know, let's say we're at Magid. So go to Magid, wherever that is in your Haggadah. Wait, it's page one twenty six. See that 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 is the biggest issue is that you don't have the same page numbers. So every, it, it is 
obviously Seder. Yeah. It, there is an order to it. So people are going to exactly. find it if you say. Totally. Yeah. Right. So if you, you know, if you start with Kaddish, for example, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to follow along, but you know, this, the Haggadah that Norm has versus the Haggadah that Rachel has, one is just kind of the traditional bare bones. There's really no. I never refer to this as traditional. Really? This, this particular Haggadah, never. It's not, which one did I give you? Haggadah for the American family. Oh, I didn't give you the Maxwell. Maxwell I thought House. I gave you the Maxwell. Maxwell House is a fine <laughs> traditional Haggadah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So great. So, so, but that is a bare bones Haggadah and then, which is also Maxwell house is also very bare bones. And then, which is what I thought I handed you. (laughs) And then Rachel has Hogwarts, right? (laughs) So we have very, where did you get this? Amazon. Archer is Amazon. Yeah. That's what Norm said. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, you know, we, I could say, okay, we're going to turn to the four, four children and let's see what they look like in these different in these different Haggadot. So um, I have to find it in my own. <laughs> uh, You're looking for the four questions or sons? Four, yeah, four sons. Did anybody find your four sons yet? Oh, sure. Okay, great. So what, is, what does it look like in yours, Natalie? Well, I have the Adam Haggadah. Yeah. So the picture, the artwork is really beautiful. Yes, it is. It really is. Yeah. The Torah has four sons in mind, the wise son, the wicked, the simple son, and the son who does not know how to ask. Great. And then the next page has, you know, what does a wise son say? What does a wicked one say? I mean, there's a little bit of for everybody that there's a lot there is a lot of Hebrew too. yeah well you know it's it was probably published in in Israel given yeah. where Agam is um but that great okay so that so that's going to be much more artistic and what's yours I don't know it seems sort of like pretty straightforward uh-huh it some Biblical references yeah, like the wise right. son Devarim six twenty, wicked son Exodus thirteen eight. So I haven't seen that before. Great. So that one's and, maybe a little bit more of like a study and, type. Yeah, and then on the next page it has like this big matrix yeah. of like where <laughs> where the, the I guess the sources for the wicked son and then it references the son's request. The Torah's answer, the Haggadah's answer, and it's got all sorts of. Things. And as you can see, I've used that before because yeah. I have a <laughs> little post-it note on it. Yeah. What do you think you used it for? I used it to, when I was describing the four sons, actually, because two of the sons are very similar, and I used that as the as a way of finding the sources for it. The symbol and the one who does not know what to ask. No, it's the Rasha and the. They're wise and Rasha. Like how could you say? Because their questions are the same. So here, the um, come from the same place. We have to be the wicked and the simple. So it's the wicked and the one who does not know how to ask. They have the same um, like proof text. And oh, so, what does this? What does that say about about those two sons? Um, Great. AJ, what is yours? Yours is the feminist, I got it? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, not even, I mean, okay. Are the four children even in there? Four daughters, not the four sons. No, no, no. 
Oh, what well, they do? Uh, well, it went from four questions. Uh huh. There's really no doesn't. Uh, oh, here we go. So at the very bottom, Torah and the Sages speak of four sons who ask about the meaning of Passover ritual. The four sons say them in four different ways and so ask diverse questions. Okay. The women, however, have other questions and they go on. Great. No, 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 no. In other words, you know, okay, yeah, it's kind of about the same thing, but it really goes in a different direction. So like in some, for some, you know, families, that's going to be a wonderful way of, of bringing in the women. And for some families, that's going to feel like a real stretch, right? Like, let's just talk about the four children. The Haggadah that my grandparents often use um, is the Mas Haggadah, which is a very special, I, I don't have it in my office, but a very special, beautiful art piece made by David Moss. Um, and the four children, they, um, when you look at the, at the page in the Haggadah, there are mirrors so that you can see yourself in the child. And it's a real, I don't know when he finished it, but it's a beautiful, beautiful Haggadah. Um, and you can get, my grandparents have an original, but you can also buy a copy. The original is paper cut, so it's very fragile. And then the copy is, you know, it looks like this. It's, pr- it's printed. Um, but it's it's gorgeous. But anyway, so there are different. This one actually has one of my favorite depictions of the four sons. Um, and what it shows you is that they're each, you know, each child is within the other child. You just have to find the ways in which they're in which they're compared. So anyway, that's just an example of one, you know, albeit simple way of making your Passover Seder creative without really putting much work into it other than buying some books. One of the um, nice things about the night to remember is he has several different it's over here in this corner. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> he has several different depictions of the four sons taken from other Haggadahs, and you can look oh, at them and see what, and discuss them. Yeah, that's great. Um, Robert Clickfell and I were actually using this um, on the bus in whatever city we were in uh, when we were working on, oh, yeah, you're right, when we were working, so that's the Haggadah we were just looking at. It's also in this Haggadah. Um, to, to create our city. the page, you'll see other ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was when we escaped the tornado. Yes, escaping the tornado with an emergency hatch that flew off. Okay. Um, But. Oh, yes. Sure was. Yeah, the three of them. He was on it for New Orleans. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, exactly. So, um, okay, so I want to just pass out a few things. um, And I I really thought that everyone was going to have to share, but. I made exactly enough copies for every household to have their own. Um, so this is the order of the Seder, which obviously is, you know, pretty well known. In my family, we sing through it. So every time we get to the next item of the Seder, we sing the next thing. So we start off the whole Seder by singing, et cetera, et cetera. And then we sing, Kadesh, and we stop, and then we go to the next thing. Oh, come on in. Thank you. Um, here you go. And uh, so you can go through it. It's a nice way of you know connecting your whoever is at your table, whatever age they are, to know like what's the next thing we're getting to. What are the things that we've already accomplished? Um, so the different 
the different parts of the Seder that you could, you could make creative is you can make a, like a poster board and have Velcro pieces. In my family, sometimes my mom will pass out um, the different parts of the Seder on like, you know, pieces of cardstock. And so who has Kadesh, you have to kind of pay attention. And then you go up to the board and you put it on with Velcro. And then there's also a visual of all the steps that you've gone through in the Seder. Some of this stuff will sound like, oh, that would be great for kids. It's also great for adults because by the time you get to the end of the Seder, you're just like trying to come up with ways to keep people engaged and excited. So if you have different parts of the Seder that you know, oh, this is my part, you know, if you're having an all adult Seder, one of the ways that you could do that is give the parts of the Seder actually ahead of time. Ron Wolfson talks about this um, in a in an article that I'll hand out in a second. You can give parts of the Seder ahead of time and say, okay, Roger, you're in charge of yachats, right? And and before the Seder actually even starts, Roger's come up with a way that he's going to share with the with the table a little bit about yachats. And so it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the person leading the Seder, and it also allows you to be kind of creative. So um, my family always invites uh, this particular family to our house, and the the husband of the family is an actor. And so every year, whatever part of the Seder that we give him, he writes a poem, and it's beautiful. And so every year we have a different poem for a different part of the Seder that Dan's written. So you could give out, you know, if, if you know who's coming and you know that they're, like, competent enough to just Google something, right? It doesn't have to be that there are some kind of scholar, but they could look up a parody if they want to sing something, or they could write a something, or they could have a little drosh that they give, whatever you want. And that could be their part of the Seder. Um, so, and that's also a nice way if you're leading both nights, especially to not feel like you have to kind of be on for both nights, because then there are p- other people who are going to also contribute to your Seder. Can you talk about how you integrate those little acts? Pieces? Yeah. yeah, totally. So, you know, when you get to that part of the Seder, then you would say, you know, if Roger has yachats, you would say, okay, who? Well, that, that are so oh, easy. Yeah. But if, if it's not a, if it's a poem yeah. that doesn't pertain to yachats or part uh-huh. of the order, is there, uh, I guess everything pertains to the order? So the way that I've done it and the way that my family has done it is that we give out parts of the Seder, never Magi, because, you know, we don't want someone to feel like they have to take on the biggest part of the Seder, but we'll give out Karpas or we'll give out Yachat or we'll give out Rachta even. And we'll say, okay, this is your part of the Seder. This is what that part of the Seder is. Come up with a way to, to take us through that part of the Seder. So the the poem would be part of explaining what that part of the Seder is about. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's about 15 things listed here, and you're not going to give out Maggie. So you have a suggestion. Like, how would you you have have 20 people or 22? So you could break down Maggie for sure. Like, you could give someone the plagues, or you could give someone... The four children. I just wouldn't say to one person or one family, you take Maggie. <laughs> I have another so, idea for something that is that when you get to Robin Gamliel says we have to talk about yeah. Pesach Matzah more. I don't think the Haggadah does a very good job of that. But you can give three people in advance the assignment to explain Matzah, to explain more, to explain Pesach. Pesach yeah. And that right, that's three, three people, people right there. And yeah. solves, a, solves a part of the 
I'm sort of boring. Yeah, yeah. We actually, as a nice little plug, next week, I think a week from today, yeah, Thursday night, um, the clergy and rabbinic residents are doing a Haggadah slam on Pesach Matzah for exactly that reason, that there's not usually enough done around it. And so we're we're going to, in Chavrutas, um, so I'm working with Jackie Honig, Rabbi Klickfeld's working with David Kaplinsky, and Cantor Charney and Rabbi Shapiro working together, um, are going to kind of give us different ways of of getting into that part of the Seder. Is, is um, that a program we attend or yeah. watch on Zoom? I, attend. We're going to have people attend it. But hopefully, uh, well, hopefully is the weather is okay outside. Um, but yeah, next Thursday. Next in this series. Yeah, next Thursday on, at 7. I, yeah. I mean, I guess you could also just get creative like we're talking about. Yeah. Like, you know, just make other things up. Like totally. ask somebody to bring you know, talk about, do a little research on how other cultures you know, totally. do, do some other culture's way of yeah. doing something at their theater for Pesach. Yeah, I mean, depending on how, how much you want to also get involved in, like, activities, there was one year that my mom had us actually make haroset before we ate it like and it could be from different you know like have a like a haroset bar almost and so you could take the different things that make the haroset that you know my family is used to which is the ashkenazi like um apples and nuts and wine right and you can just do that or you can do it like the sfarding do with dates and figs and all those kinds of things there's also a um like a savory, not actually savory, but there's like olives in it. It's very an interesting one. I forget where that's from. Maybe Yemen. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, for sure, you could make it not have to necessarily do with like a part of the Haggadah, but or part of the Seder, I should say, but an element of taking something from the Passover Seder and making it a little bit more, I don't know, and de- taking it a little yeah. more in depth. For sure, I like that idea a lot. Your your ideas of Assignments are really intriguing. Great. Um, talk about ages and yeah. abilities. And, sure, sure. You know what? What you think are appropriate to assign to what age? Totally. So. Totally. So, I would say that when you're assigning a part of the seder especially if you're assigned it to a family and not to just a person, knowing how old those kids might be. So if you have little kids, I would say good parts of the Seder to assign to them are motzi, because they know how to sing, ha motzi lechem in haaretz, right? They can do that. Um, another really good part are the plagues or the song Dayenu, if they know those kinds of things. Um, another really good one is rachsa, because they can wash their hands. Um, those things are really good that, you know, the parent could potentially explain, but the kid would actually do or showcase. Um, the uh, the parts of the theater that I wouldn't give to young kids, just because, at least in my experience, they don't stay at the table for very long, are any, anything after dinner. <laughs> so they're going to go off and find the afikoman, and then they're going to be done with you. Um, so any of those songs, actually Rabbi Klickfeld and I at our second night Seder here at Betham, we're going to be singing those songs at the beginning of the Seder, because we're starting before we can actually do the first cup of wine. Um, so we're going to be taking those songs that have, you know, no halachic requirement as to when you sing them and sing them at the beginning and do a little like skit with the kids and whatnot so 
if you want to do that, you you could include the kids. But if you're going to keep everything in order, I would just do I would do the parts that are experiential and um, and creative. One of the things I'm going to send to everybody that I didn't bring um, to hand out is there's a Google folder that has stickers you can print out that my mom made and um, little like um, she made a Curious George Haggadah that you could give if you have a kid who's interested in the book Curious George. So there are certain things. If you have kids who are like in middle school, you could do plays. I have one of them right here that I'll hand out. Um, that's always a good a good one to do. The making of the haroset is a really fun thing for kids to do so they could be in charge of that. Messy, but fun. Uh, yeah, that, those are some of my ideas. Um, the sunshines have a set of drawings mm. that their kids made oh, cute. 30 plus years ago wow. when they were in third or fourth grade sure, sure. for each step in who knows one. Oh, wow. So that's very funny. Person holds up two tables of the yeah. cabinet, yeah. you know, the two tablets and, and gets and, the answer and that and one. Gets to answer That's that awesome. line and one has the eleven stars in Joseph's dream and holds That's up great. that and That's great. so it kind of skips around the table. Yeah. As you sing those yeah, and, and that actually reminds me that you know, if you're going through Magid and there are kids at the table, one of the or we actually I didn't even start with this. My family doesn't even sit at a table. We sit in the living room on the floor um, with pillows and blankets uh, because, first of all, it's the easiest way for us to get 50 people <laughs> in our house because um, we can't do that in our dining room. Um, but well, most of them are little tushes because we have little kids. But um, and it's so. no longer 50. It used even to be so. when I was when I was a kid. Um but we would sit on, we would take all the, all the living room furniture out and we would sit on the floor and everybody would, my mom would have appetizers as car pots happened. She would have appetizers in the other room that you would bring into the, uh, bring into the living room and to go boxes because we were all Israelites trying to get out very fast. So you needed to go boxes. Um, so like cute things like that, that, that tell the story, even in just the, the gimmicks, um, that you're putting together. But, what I was going to say is if you're doing Maggi with kids, one of the fun things to do is find, find stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be toys, but find things that you can throw out. This is also really fun for adults, but people are not always as, as excited to do this for adults to throw at your, uh, at your audience members, let's call them for the different elements of the, of the plague. So for blood, you might throw like a band-aid or for Sardaya, you might give a little toy frog or for, um, Hoshech, you might have sunglasses and then the kids have a bag and they get to collect all of the plagues. So now they have basically fidgets to, to play with for the rest of the Seder, but that are specific to the plagues. So it's not just you're giving them toys to get, let them go out and play, but you're making it very specific to the plagues. Um, you can also do that with adults. I mean, with adults, you could have even more fun with it because they could be a little I'm, bit I'm more. I'm actually thinking of doing it backwards ah. where you give a bag of these yeah. items uh-huh. 
and have them match yeah, the great. items to the plate. Great, great. That's that's like for adults, that would be a great way of doing it because then there's also that creativity of like what what goes with what. Um, and they could even be random items. They don't have to be very specific to the place. I think that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, Aaron. Just on the uh, song thing, I was yeah. intrigued by that yeah. because it's always like Diana and Hunkad Yan yeah. and everything just like fits way at the end and you lost yeah. half the people by right. then and it's sort of, you know, spirit. And like, but can any of those be done totally. at the beginning? Is there anything that can't be no anything in Nirtz, anything in Nirza can be done at the beginning because they're just the last part of the seder. Everything after you. Everything after you. Everything after There is there is hollow. Even some of the hollow songs can be done before because you're not it, it's you're not doing hollow like you do hollow you know in in shul. Um, so you're not doing it with a blessing. Some people, like we, Rabbi Klinkfeld and I aren't going to do all of the Hallel pieces in the beginning because we do want to do Hallel in its in its correct place. But you could sing if you wanted to, like Min HaMetzar at the beginning. If that was a really good song that you wanted to be able to sing with everybody, you could sing that at the beginning without without any halachic issue. But anything in, in Nirza for sure, like Kilo Na'e or Adir Hu or Echad Odea, that's the who knows one. Chagadia, all of those things, all of that can happen at the beginning because they're just cultural songs. It's like singing, you know, um, like Old MacDonald. Like you can sing it whenever you want. Um, there are many pieces of the Seder actually that can be done out of order. The, the thing that is that, you know, that people, we, my family did the, did the Seder out of order last year because it was also on a Saturday night and so the rest of my family doesn't care about this. I wanted to start the Seder on time, um, but we have little kids. And so when you have little kids and you want to do candle lighting at the right time, that means that you're starting the Seder about an hour and a half before actual candle lighting. So you have to figure out creatively, what can you do that gets some of the pieces done before candle lighting that, you know, according to Jewish law, you can do before the second day starts and that then after candlelighting and after, well, it's not candlelighting, it's Havdalah, but after you do the first cup of wine, then you can finish the rest of the Seder. So certain things like, um, so Rabbi Klikvon, I actually had a debate about this on the bus, um, because Karpas you technically can do before you do the first cup of wine. Because what is Karpas? It's just eating vegetables and saying the blessing. It's really not... If I were to eat a carrot right now, it's the same as me doing karpas at a seder. The blessing's the same. The eating is the same. Now, the dipping is obviously not not the same, right? The dipping you do only on Passover. So if you wanted to, you could do you could do the blessing over like the carrots or whatever you're going to have for karpas. And then do the actual ritual karpas later. We, but we do karpas yeah, early. Yeah. Kind of Exactly. Totally. So it's technically okay to do because again, it's not, it's not contingent upon the Seder moment, right? You wouldn't want to do yachas. You wouldn't want to break the matzahs. You wouldn't even want to bring the matzahs out, right? You wouldn't want to acknowledge the matzahs before the first cup of wine, but you can do olive nirza. You can do parts of magi. You can sing dayenu. You can, um, 
you probably don't want to do like the Pesach Matzah Maror before the Seder actually begins. Um, but you can definitely tell the story. I mean, you can tell the story on a random Monday. So there are, there are parts of the Seder that are connected to, to cups of wine. And so you wouldn't want to do those before the Seder actually begins. But there are definite parts of the Seder that can be done before it, before it starts. And once you start to figure out the things that you can do before it actually starts, you really don't have so much to do once it actually begins. You drink wine quite quickly because <laughs> you, you get to the second cup a little bit faster, but, um, but yeah, and, and completely halachically fine. Um, as long as you're okay that, you know, the word Seder means order and you're kind of Unsatering it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's low. So, yeah. I have two questions. Yeah. I mean, right now, potentially, yeah. our youngest person is like 16 almost. Right. So right. I think that, like, my question, I have two questions. Yeah. One is there's going to be probably half the people that are Seder who, who don't know a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the thing. I, they can all go on and do some research and everything. Totally. And I think everyone would be interested in that. But one, like, is there anything that you have to add about people who, yeah, whose Jewish knowledge about Judaism yeah. is, you know, much less? Yeah. And then the second thing is, maybe you were going to get to it, but yeah. like stuff that it has discussion prompts that have to do with like freedom and relating totally. to what's happening today in the world or like making the story and everything like relevant about the larger themes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's actually, it's interesting that that was your second question because the first question that you had, that was actually going to be one of my ideas. I think for people who are less knowledgeable about the Seder itself, if they are knowledgeable about what's going on in the world, that's actually a really beautiful way of them connecting to whatever prompt you're going to give them, right? What does it mean to celebrate, you know, spring vegetables by doing carpas, right? If someone's, maybe someone is a gardener. And so they can talk about how that's, we get, the only reason, the only reason that came to mind is because that's what we did last year with one of our family friends who became during COVID quite the green thumb. And she was very excited about gardening and figuring out how to do those things. And so when we got to carpas, she actually brought from her home multiple things that could be considered carpas that we just would have never even thought of, but she, she knew that they were based on how they grew. So you, you know, right now, obviously there's a lot to be said about freedom and, you know, celebrating Passover in a time that's not so free for a lot of people. So uh, Rachel actually um, was part of a one LA program that we did last year about, um, uh, uh, Oh, uh, human trafficking, right? And talking about how does human trafficking really connect to a lot of what we're talking about in terms of slavery um, in our own narrative. Um, having just come from the South, that's also something that, you know, we've talked a lot about as well. So just the idea of like modern day slavery, you could definitely give that to people who are not as connected to Passover or even Judaism. But the theme of slavery is one that, you know, people connect to um, on all different kinds of levels. I mean, it might be actually very interesting for someone like Gabe to talk about how, you know, his, his culture versus his religion of choice now, how does that, and his race, how does that feel for him if he's comfortable in that? I don't know if he would be. Um, Another thing but the other, that's yeah. good for a newcomer is there's a line in the, the God that says, 
everybody should regard themselves as if they had come out from slavery. And I will arrange with somebody in advance. I would never spring on them unexpectedly and, and turn to them at that point and say, and what was it like for you when we came out mm. of Egypt? And you sometimes get absolutely amazing mm. responses, but plan it with one or two people in advance. Don't just spring it on them. The other, the other thing I was going to say is that the lot, the last time that I did this kind of, you know, give everybody a different Haggadah was actually when I had conversion students. When I was in Northern California and I was leading a Seder and I had conversion students because I could choose which Haggadah they got. Um, and I actually think I gave one of them that Haggadah, like something that was a little bit more basic in terms of the, the language on the page, but really beautiful and ripe for interpretation. And so you don't have to know a ton about Judaism or the ritual of Passover to be able to look at something beautiful and say, this is what I see in this art piece. Um, so those, those are the things that I would do for someone who's not as knowledgeable. The other thing is that that's what Passover is all about, right? Passover is this holiday that's supposed to be us bringing people to a story and to a tradition and to rituals that allow them to understand how we got here today. Um, and so, so much of what we're supposed to do at a Seder, which we forget because we over-program it, but so much of what we're supposed to do is ask questions um, and not necessarily have the answers, but have que- have questions floating um, at the table. I've done that. We have done that before. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's the right. That's the other thing. You could have questions just kind of written all over the all over the table, right? Like on index cards or something, and see if any of those questions pop up in a part of the seder um, that would be curious for for people to ask. I, I want yeah. to Books. Yeah. We, we use the yellow and orange one. Yes. For, mm-hmm. for the last uh, 30 years. Yeah. More. Yeah. And and my kids complain about it year <laughs> after year. It's so boring. And yeah. my response is it's the 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 graphic arrangement yeah. it is terrific. Mm-hmm. So it survives the important things are bigger type, the sure. others are smaller, sure. and and so on. Is there something um, that is a good tool like that that's yeah. a bit, you know, without <clears throat> being a, a big, big book, but something you can buy in quantity that it is equivalent to that yeah. uh, in organization? You know, it's well organized. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, this one has... Doesn't have the same kind. You can look at it. It doesn't have the same kind of type font that you're talking about, but things are bolded. Got it. That are. You have this one. Yeah, we got yeah. so many. Oh, okay. Um. So, so this one I I think is pretty user friendly. You know, many people are now not actually buying the books. I like buying the books, but a lot of people are going on to what's called Hagada.com. Um, or Hagadosh.com. I'll look it up for a second. I think Hagadosh, actually. Yeah. Um, and first of all, you can print out a Haggadah that's already been made, or you can create your own by like moving things around. That all of the text is already there for you, but you can move stuff around. You can add pictures. You can add um, 
texts and drashot about more modern day uh, interpretations of certain things. And you can then print a Haggadah that is completely yours that, that, um, that you've now made based on a theme or, or whatever. I can send you all that information after the class. I've created one on there for a women's Seder that I, that I did for many years up north. Um, and it's pretty user friendly. I mean, you, it, you like click on Kadesh and it gives you a bunch of options and you click on the one that you want and it puts it into a, onto a page and then you click the next thing that you want and puts it onto a page. So if you want to get creative with it, with it, with it and write your own stuff, you totally can. But if you also just want to see what's already out there, it's kind of just click and go. So that's another way of, of doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something like that. I got an email from Safaria about checking out their peso section because Safaria, it's an app. Yeah. Their website, safaria.org. I just spell it. I'll put it on the board. Okay. Um, yeah, it's Hagadot. I was. And, and Safaria is the online resource for Many, many, many sacred texts. You go to their menu, and it's Tanakh, and then it's Talmud, yeah. and Mishnah, and so on. And one of the sections is Haggadah. Right. So I haven't so studied Safari, that, but it's a great resource. Safaria, I don't know if they've added to it. I looked at the Haggadah actually today to, to work on this Haggadah center for next week. Safaria has a Haggadah on it, but I don't think it's as um, flexible. flexible, but also customized, customizable, yeah. not even a word, um, yeah. as Haggadot.com. So you can't make it your own. You could print from it or copy and paste from it, but I don't think you can make it your own unless there's something on Safari I haven't actually seen yet. But Haggadot.com is really a very special resource um, if people want to you know, fool around with an electronic type Haggadah. Has anybody <clears throat> tried steering every uh, invitee to Haggadot.com to submit portions? Yeah. That's a great idea. Um, I don't know. I know that the past two years when my family has done Seder online, we used it. You know, my my dad was the one who was managing the Zoom and he shared his screen and it was the Haggadah. So that, that is one way of, of allowing people to be, to, you know, to collaborate on it. I don't know off the top of my head if you can, like a Google Doc, add people to it to, to collaborate on it. But if you're tech savvy enough to kind of look around on the website, I can also if look at it later. The same username as yeah. where you could all get into the same doc. Totally. Totally. Maybe yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great idea. You also could, by the way, now that I just said this, you could create a Google Doc, right? You just create a Google Doc and tell people they get one page to do whatever part of the Seder and they create it and then, you know, you move to the next thing. But Haggadot.com definitely has the kind of drag and go that that Google Docs doesn't. It sounds sounds wonderful. I'm doing an incremental thing. Yeah. My kids and other guests have come up with whole um, Haggadahs that they want to use. Great. They don't think it's, I mean, that they found yeah, yeah. Um, 
and you know, they'll think it's great, and this other one will think it's terrible. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be a Jewish, Jewish holiday. holiday. Yeah. It wouldn't be a Jewish holiday without that. So, yeah. so everybody could contribute their own. Right. Yeah, to, for sure. Um, so this is this is an article written by Ron Wolfson. Um, I only have three copies of this, but I can make another if if you guys can just share for right now, and I can make another copy for if either of you want it. Um, so Ron Wolfson is like the the master of creativity. Um, and so part of his article is going to give ideas, but also just name creative opportunities for Seder building. This is actually his book, um, The Art of Jewish Living. And it has in it, uh, different, different ways of getting through the, getting through the Seder. My family happens to be in this one, um, lighting candles, which is very sweet, but, uh, and it talks about, you know, what different families have done over time such that you can get ideas that are creative for um, for your family to be able to, to take on. So that is this is one resource. I don't I don't know how expensive this book now is. Um, it's old. So it's possible that it is a little bit more expensive than um, than you would like, which is understandable. But the. It goes through just the different things, and then it says, you know, I'm trying to see if I can find um, an example of what I'm looking for here. So, yeah, it's, you get to families, trying to stall while I find, while I find them. Uh, da, 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 da. Should have, when I opened it, I happened upon and I turned the page. Um, so yeah, it talks about like hitting people with leaks like they do in Sephardic homes and why you might do that. Um, it makes connections to the Last Supper. You're going to have people at your, at your Seder who potentially um, would have more knowledge on that than, than on the Seder itself. Anyway, okay. It, oh, here we go. So here's the, you know, for example, it says here, like, Lou Miller said, just said, Lou Miller just passed away during during COVID about a year ago. Judy Miller says, uh, Marlene Horowitz, Sally Weber, right? All these people are talking about this particular part of Eliyahu Hanavi in their home and what they would do when they pour the glass for Eliyahu. So just gives you some ideas of what other families are doing. Um, but this article, he's just a master when it comes to creativity. So this article is one that will just probably give you tons of ideas. Um, Can you talk about that? Yeah. Pouring of the glass for Eliyahu. If there's any remarkable ideas out there, because everybody's always looking at the glass. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, by the time you get to Eliyahu, there's not so much to to say or do about it. In my family, we sing just different versions of Eliyahu Hanavi. Um, in the Aftergood family, when we used to go there for Passover, they always had someone dress up as Eliyahu and come in at the moment that you sing Eliyahu Hanavi, so that it's kind of this like play that that he's actually joining us. Um, you could very, very easily connect it to uh, 
you know, having, having the idea of bringing people into your home, no matter who they are and how do we welcome people in and that kind of thing. But it's a part of the Seder that's very hard to get people's attention because it's so close to the end. Um, so I would say whatever you do, do it quickly. Um, and, and if you want, you can talk about Miriam, right? So a lot of people at Havdalah will sing Eliyahu Hanavi, but then they'll sing Miriam Hanaviah, and I'll do the same thing about about Miriam. Um, so you can talk about Miriam's cup, you, and you can have a cup of water on your seder plate. This is sometimes um, people talk about having an orange on their seder plate, which is not for this part of the seder, but that might be a moment to make mention of it. Um, the things that I just packed out are specifically for kids, which is why I gave it to to the two of you. Um, so, <laughs> um, depending on the observance of your family, this might not be something that you are having kids do at the Seder table, but could be something that the kids could take home with them or have with them before the Seder begins. Or if you're starting Seder early, for example, you know, the first night is Friday night and you're having people come over early and you're not lighting candles until a little bit later, you could have them do it beforehand. Um, I grew up in a family that was not Shomer Chag. And so this kind of thing was happening all the time, you know, with a little bit of, you know, crayons on the table and kids drawing and doing those kinds of things. Um, even if you are Shomer Chag, but you feel comfortable having kids who don't don't need to be holding on to those mitzvot doing that kind of thing. It's a great way of keeping them contained. The, the other thing about a packet like this is you can use stickers. You don't have to use markers or crayons. So um, any kind of like bingo board or crossword or um, uh, not where's Waldo, but like um, like an I spy type thing, like you find a matzah or you find a maror, um, you can do that. There are many, I didn't have any with me in my office um, that I could find, but there are many kids hagadot that have those kinds of activities in them. So talking about giving people different hagadot, the kids could have their own hagada such that when you get to Kadesh, they know that that's where they are and and they can do whatever the activity is. It, you, it typically, if it's a hagada, it's typically very um, uh, conscious of being kosher, so to speak. Like it won't make you write anything or draw anything. It'll use stickers or say, show your, show your parent where the this is on the page or whatever. So those are great things to, to look into. Um, are there coloring books? There are. There totally are. Yeah. Coloring Haggadah books for sure. Yeah. And I can, anybody who has any questions about any of these things um, can email me. Yes, there are great plague masks. There are also great plague plates um, that kids can, you know, or animals can use as like their appetizer plates. Um, And you can, you know, ask people what, which animal do you have or what plague do you have? AJ, you have a question? Yeah. Well, it has to happen at the end because you wouldn't deal with the matzah until Passover, like the second day comes in. Um, what do you mean? But if I did not eat it. So well, but you wouldn't break it. Like you wouldn't do yachas until... Yeah. So, break it and then put it 
aside. Yeah. And you hide it. Yeah. And you push for it, whatever. Yeah. But that's how it's supposed to be finding it usually out in the field. Right, right, right. So a problem with hiding it. Oh, I see what you're saying. And, and then having to find it before right, right, everybody right. eats yeah. because yeah. they are yeah. going to be eating while we're doing it. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, I can't think of a reason why as long as you're not actually going to eat it. I mean, the, the whole, the whole custom of finding it was to keep the kids engaged and, and excited to find it. Um, yeah, I've never heard that as an idea, but it's a very creative one. I like it a lot. I, you could, my, my parents used to do it such that the finding of the Afikoman was like putting a puzzle together so you would actually have to find puzzle pieces around the house and it would spell out like refrigerator or it would spell out um, piano bench. <laughs> and then you knew that that's where the masa was. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, go ahead. Um, one is that you mentioned that specifically you're talking about the Asian tribe. Yeah. It's entirely probable we're going to do this on the patio. Yeah, great. Right. Yeah, patio cover, but Door. Yeah, sure. So Elijah, Elijah. I mean, I think it's similar. Definitely not. There's some, you know, similar to like doing Lachadodi on the field when everybody turns every which way to wonder, <laughs> like, where are we supposed to go? Um, you would probably just turn towards wherever the entrance might be. You could also turn turn east if you want. I'm sorry, west if you wanted, um, which is the way that we turn towards. For the Jaro D, if there's no door, um, yeah, I, I don't. I think you would just turn either towards like where people walked in or west. Yeah. Okay. That's third question. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that are really either adults or yeah. So, yeah, so my, um, great. My, my mom is like brilliant when it comes to the little littles at a Seder, actually. So one of the things that she does is every family that shows up to our Seder gets a bag. And in the bag are things that you're going to need throughout the Seder. So she has water bottles in the bag. She has cups for wine in the bag. She has your to-go boxes for the appetizers in the bag. Like the Passover before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for the little littles, she'll have like that Curious George book in the in the bag. She'll have stickers in the bag. She'll have maybe like stuffed animals for the plagues in the bag. Um, she will have all kinds of activities. Like sometimes she'll put in like plate, depending on the kid's interest, but like Play-Doh or some other kind of tactile something, um, that a kid could be playing with while other stuff is going on. The other thing that my, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. And especially for kids who are three, right. Who are not. They're not babies, right? They're not babies, but they are, but they're not, you know, they're, they're not in kindergarten, right? They're still, they're still little. Um, you could have like Legos or, um, yeah, building blocks or even, I wouldn't do anything that 
you could throw <laughs> um, or anything that bounces um, because yeah, that will right exactly so so that um, the, the other thing that that my mom has done for little little kids is to have like very specific things for them to to either eat or um, or enjoy throughout the the beginning part of the Seder. So like grape juice instead of wine, but it's already in their bag. So they don't have to go finding it. Um, uh, like masks for the plagues, like Natalie was talking about um, marshmallows for the hail. The little ones. Yeah. Natalie has a gazillion of them upstairs. You can ask her where she got them from. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have sometimes taken every day. I think it's parasitized or something. Yeah. It's a red indicator. Oh. And then, but it's clear. Oh. Uh, and then it, it indicates acid and then oh, wow. clear vinegar. And you put two clear things oh, cool. together and it suddenly immediately. Is yeah. Red. That's very cool. Yeah. So the thing, the thing that I would also say about kids of all ages, but it could start at three is doing things with them that the parents can do that also keep the parents engaged. Because at least in our family, what we realize is that if the kids are not engaged, that means probably the parents also aren't engaged. So you're not only losing the kid, you're also losing the parent. So something like that, that's an activity that they're going to need their parents help with, um, or something that is going to like the making of the haroset that the kid can obviously eat, but um, but the parent will have have to help them put together. That's the kind of thing that you could definitely do with with younger kids that still makes it engaging for the adult. Yeah. But I have a ton of preschool stuff that I can send you electronically that my mom has put together. So just email me, I'll send it. Yeah, Aaron. On the food. Yeah. Um, so I ruled out serving bread or matzah as part of the but, Great. but fruit and vegetable. Yeah. Like, could there be little mandarin oranges if somebody wants to eat them? Is there anything they sure. shouldn't be eating? No, so the besides the bread. Right, right. So the so when I when I was living in Israel, my family has always done like a pretty elaborate appetizers before Seder meal type type deal. Um, but when I lived in Israel, a family, their last name is Amit. I was like very much actually your kids know them. The Amit, Glendon, Aaron Amit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I spent I spent Pesach with them. And at their Seder, you know, Karpas comes up very quickly. So you, what they did was they started off with like the very traditional car path of the parsley and the salt water. And then they brought out, I, I could not even believe my eyes. They brought out all of these appetizers that can be considered car path because they all have the blessing for a priha adama. So they brought out potato wedges, carrots, um, broccoli, cauliflower, bananas, um, uh, celery, um, I'm trying to think anything with and you can dip it in anything. So the potato wedges had ketchup. Um, the, the, they eat, you know, hummus in Israel on Pesach. So there was like hummus with the carrots and, um, there, they also did like chicken wings. I mean, they did things that also weren't 
also weren't karpas, but they started off with the things that you would say were a prehadama over, and then they had things that were a little bit more substantial. Their Seder also went until two in the morning, and so, you know, you really had to eat real appetizers because dinner didn't come for a, a while. But it's a really creative way of doing like you have guacamole as a thing to dip into. It's a very creative way of doing appetizers that are still connected to to the parts of the Seder. You could have radishes out because you can use those for maror and that could still be something that you're dipping. So anything like that. Yeah, you can really eat anything that you wouldn't say mozi over, basically. You can eat before the meal. Yeah, yeah. We do the orange wedges yeah. for inclusion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. immediately after carpas. Mm-hmm. So there's bravery adamant right. for the carpas. Yeah. And then there's bravery hot eights for right. the oranges. Right. Yeah. So that could expand totally. the array of choices. Totally. If you eat peanut butter on Passover, which some people do, some people don't, um, you could have, you know, celery and peanut butter or apples and peanut butter, right? And you could have any kind of, any kind of di- almond butter, which yeah, is even better. Right. You could do almond butter too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's, it's actually that to me is just a very, it's a very fun way of making sure A, that people are fed, but also teaching that this isn't just about parsley, right? This is about anything that has the blessing and how you can use it as a way of of symbolizing it. So Renee, Renee Baseball said the same thing. (laughs) I promise you people will eat, but they're not going to like eat, right? They're going to, they'll. Also we're vegetarian. We're doing a vegetarian. Yeah. Right. So you're going to have brisket. Right. 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 If you need a recipe for vegan soup and vegan canela, Oh. Let me know because I got one from an old Vienna recipe source that I'm planning to make. You should sense. send it to Rabbi Clickfeld. I will. I'm sure he would love Good that. Good idea. And for me because I've done people who need it. So I'm curious. When you talk about a, a Seder that goes until two in the morning. Yeah. So Okay. We've After I'm done. She's dying okay. to, but I, I I'm, 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 what what takes so long? Like, yeah. that, like if you go through the seder, if you go through everything in the Haggadah, okay, yeah. maybe it's an hour, maybe it's ninety minutes, maybe yeah. it's even two hours because people add some stuff in this or that. Yeah. You guys yeah, know? One year <laughs> when Shabbos and Yanta were conflicting, we started off by my presenting an hour and a half on the for children and then two years later it happened again and I spent a little bit over an hour without repeating most of what I'd said before (laughs) on the four children my seder was once reviewed in the Baltimore Jewish newspaper very positive. Really? Really? Yes. Not everybody wow. can say that. What? God damn it. Yes. You have to have a audience that's appropriate for it. Right. Was, yeah, right. I'm not going to do yeah, that this, this year when my primary focus is on my two children, rather right. young grandchildren. Right, right. But 
depending on what it is. If you're discussing a lot of things, it can really drag on. One of you I was going to say is, she mentioned one year we had a 15-year-old write about the four kinds of parents described in the Torah, which was based on the four children and was brilliant. And this year, one of the two assignments I gave to my nine-year-old grandson is that he has to write four new questions in addition to the oh, consistent fear conscious, which is mentioned in, I think, Wilson. Yeah, that's great. That's um, great. But he's, he's, he's promised me he's writing four questions or he's already done it. I don't know. Wait, did you leave that sort of open? What? What kind of guidelines did you give for the four, these new four questions? Anything? But they shouldn't be the existing four questions. <laughs> right. I'm confident he'll do something appropriate for a, for a nine-year-old to do. <laughs> and one of his parents is a rabbi, so if he feels like he needs help, he can ask her by him <laughs> or, his, or, or the other one. And I like that about kids writing the right I, I, Yeah. What I wanted to That add, was a 15-year-old. It was a yeah, more sophisticated and, age. What I wanted to add into this discussion is sometimes... Just if Pesach starts late and the family is waiting until, you know, Shabbos is over or whatever to sit down, you don't sit down to start till 830. Right. Okay, that's not true for us, but I've heard of people who do that. And the conversation, depending again on who's there, can go on for a long time. And I do have to add, when people the next day, if they come to shul at all, or they say, oh, I was up till three in the morning, it's like, are you bragging? Or right, right, right. right. <laughs> I would say that, that, that Maggie can take a really long time, right? I, a, you're doing, you could do every word, right? I've never, well, I guess at the Amit house, we did do every word, but I, in my family, we've never done every word. But also if you're sitting at a table of people who are interested in like the Torah behind the different aspects of the Haggadah, you could go down many different rabbit holes that could have you seated talking about the story of, you know, the Exodus for a very long time. Um, and proof texts and, you know, the Talmud says and this, that, and the other thing. So that was the only Seder that I went to that really lasted that long. And Rachel's right. It started at 9 p.m. So, you know, it's not starting at 6.30 and ending at 2 a.m. We, we but did, uh, once we wheeled a, a TV and on a stand yeah. so that everybody could see it in the room. Yeah. And found, I think we had a hook it up to a computer yeah. and got the story of Passover. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, narrated, yeah. and all with pictures. Totally. And I think the kids, I think everybody, yeah, really engaged by it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that there's, there is definitely something. If a family is comfortable with using technology or using, you know, like art, there's many, many things that you can do that will keep everybody very engaged. You could play YouTube videos of different songs. You could have little snippets of like Prince of Egypt playing at different times. You know, you could do many different things that, um, that, that aren't found in a book, which is, which is great. Um, you know, and then if you're dealing with people who can't, who won't do that or can't do that, that's then, then you, then you get rid of those, those creative options that you come up with your own. But, um, 
So I was going to say something about the, oh, it, going late doesn't, Rachel's right. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that says that you should go late or that there's like a mitzvah. It's not Shavuot, right? You're not supposed to stay up all night. Um, it's just that I think it became this kind of, this contest of, oh, well, if you went really late, you probably did the most that you could do. But I don't actually think that's necessarily true. Yeah. I mean, I think if if people get a lot out of their Seder and they end at a reasonable hour, awesome. Because you um, get to go to bed, which is very yeah. exciting. Um, I did want to add to what Aaron said. There are people for whom a long Seder is not appropriate. Right, right. Read my parents, <laughs> uh, who basically stopped coming to our Seders. Wow. Because they didn't want to be there that long. Be there that long. Wow. Wow. And I, you know, wow. to this day, <laughs> I feel really sad about hmm. that they didn't come. But what we ended up doing was having them another time sure, during sure. Passover. Yeah. You know, Sunday brunch or right, right. Shabbos Pesach or something like that. Yeah. So that we could share part of the holiday where they didn't need to sit for a few hours. That is the other really nice thing about two seders, right? Like in my family, the first night seder was very traditional. My grandfather led it in a formal dining room, sitting at a table, start to finish the whole thing. Um, we started in the in the sitting room, and that's where we looked at the beautiful David Moss Haggadah, and then we went into the formal dining room, and that's where we actually started the Seder. And that was a very long, late night. Now, I actually missed that because of the nostalgia of it, um, but... The second night was always my parents led it. It started extremely early, uh, and it was for kids very specifically. That's obviously changed given the makeup of our family now, but that's, you know, there, there's also that, that when you're dealing with different kinds of family members, maybe one night is a little bit more traditional and long, and the other night is a little bit more creative, inclusive, um, and potentially shorter, though it could also be long, um, while creative and inclusive. It's probably good to like, let your guests know a little bit what to expect too. Totally. Like set the tone and everything. My mom sends out an invitation every year that has the theme of the night. Um, like what, what's going to be kind of the tone of what's, of what's going on. And then the assignments that people are going to take. Does she consult? <laughs> she, you know, I, I said this, I think, I think before you arrived, I said that the last, last year when I taught this class, I taught it with my mom, um, because my mom and dad for a million years, well, I guess 33 years, um, have been doing this, you know, every single year and it's different every single year. She totally would talk to you about it. She loves it. I mean, as much as I love it, but I get that love for it from her. Um, she's an educator through and through extremely creative, um, would, you know, just, just ideas pop into her head. Like I just, she's extremely, extremely creative. Um, and especially with kids, she's a, she's a, an ECC director. So especially when it comes to little kids, she's the preschool director at Westwood Hills Charter Preschool, yeah, which is on LaGrange in Westwood. Um, any other questions or thoughts or comments? Yeah, AJ. Um, yeah. Um, everybody's got all of these 
Yeah. 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 This one actually does that quite a bit. Let me look and see. This is, yeah. Not a history of but a history of the story of the story. The real story in the Madonna is about the rabbis and what they're doing. This one does not do that. I thought it might. Story. If you if you think about the way that the Haggadah is put together. It tells you more about the rabbis of the Mishnaic period. That's why this has a little bit of that. Then, you know, as much as it tells you about the Exodus. Tells you everything about the Exodus. Yeah, I don't know. Other than that book there, I'm not sure if there's if there's one that, you know, this is, this is a little bit more of like how to, what, what different things mean, but not the rabbi's piece. Um, the family guide, so that won't have it. The, the Mishnah yeah. has a section on Pesachim. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the outline of a Seder. Sure. Done in a somewhat different order, but that I understand to be kind of the predecessor text. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Mishnah Pesachim definitely has like the texts um, that make up a Haggadah, but but I think I think what AJ is talking about is if there was some kind of Haggadah that went through like. Like kind of like the Rashi commentary, not actually Rashi, but like on the Haggadah itself. Well, this is more of what you have. In yeah. My question is really more on the order of the historical events around uh, what we're going on. I can look it up for you. About which, which I, mean, I, I could probably put it together myself. But yeah, yeah. It would take time. I just don't have time right now. I'll look it up for you because yeah. I'd be interested sources. to know. There's one that right after the story about the four rabbis who spend all night talks about a different four rabbis who spend all night talking about different things. Mm. One of whom is Robin Gamil. Right, right. Yeah, I would. Ha- I'll have to look into that and see. I'm not the sure. The reason for obvious yeah. interest is the code, right? Code within the code. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what were they really getting at and talking about? Really yeah, like sure. Okay. Yes, a strategic question. We, uh, it, we typically have a four digit yeah. Seder and then we interrupt the Seder yeah. pretty completely yeah. after the meal okay. and then pick up the Seder. Yeah, sure. Is there a way to make the meal? Yeah. The body does such a great job with the meal. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Is there some 
integrates the, the meal as part of the Seder so that you don't have, it's not an interruption, it's just a yeah, it's a good, that's a great question. So, you know, if you want to make the meal something that kind of still continues the Seder on, you could decide to do parts of Magid that, again, similar to the parts that you could do before um, Kadesh, to do parts of Magid over dinner, right? You could talk about different parts of the story over dinner as opposed to in their kind of rightful place in Magid. You also could choose to have some of the conversation, even if you do Magid before, to have some of the conversation or maybe some of the pieces that you would have, yeah, of course, that you would have assigned out to people happen during dinner so that as people are eating, they're also conversing. And that doesn't happen before dinner, but rather around the dinner table. So that's definitely possible. That's a great, a great idea. There are some hotels out there, I know they use this one at the Temple of Kiva in Culver City, that when you get to explaining days of matzah and more, they explain matzah and then eat the matzah and do the blessing and eat the matzah. And then they explain the more. Oh, interesting. And do the blessing and eat the more. And then they explain the Pesach and then they eat the Hillel sandwich. And the whole meal where it is in the Haggadah, Sandwiched by Hollywood. The idea is that the food you eat is a part of your praise for God. And it really <laughs> is a part of Hollywood. That's great. I've never seen that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that, and that's a very, that's a very integrative way of doing the whole Seder, right? Like the, as soon as you talk about the thing, you actually do the thing. Yeah. That's great. That I really like reform, that. The reform Haggadot. It's possible. Like, I don't think I have a yeah. There's even a fun piece about yeah. how we didn't have time to make regular cookies, and so they put together egg whites and coconut, <laughs> and they had to make <laughs> macaroons. It, That's it's awesome. very funny. You could do that to introduce dessert. That's yeah, great. Yeah, That's great. We didn't have time to make toast. Right, right, right. That's great. Um, so this is obviously, you know, there are so many more ideas than the ones that I just gave you, and hopefully this allows you to kind of walk away with, with your wheels turning. Um, Please feel free to email me. I'm also happy to, when I respond to you, CC my mom (laughs) um, and have her give you some ideas also, if if you're interested in her ideas. Um, I do have a Google folder full of stuff from last year, also from the year before, because when Passover happened the year before, COVID had just started. And so I created a whole resource bank for Betham on Google, um, on a Google Drive. So if you're interested in any of that, even to just thumb through it, even if you're not going to print anything to use, just email me and let me know. And I'm happy to share that folder with you. Um, and just have fun with it. I mean, Passover is really all about telling a story, asking questions and enjoying the people around your, around your table. So, uh, Short of doing those things and, you know, following the rubric that a book is going to give you, no matter which book you're using, you're doing the Seder correctly. So have fun with it um, and just enjoy being able to engage the people who are with you. Make the first night and the second night different because that'll be interesting to you. Uh, and, and you know, delegate. <laughs> delegate to have people um, help out and participate because that'll make it also interesting for them. So, uh, 
I hope that you all have meaningful and creative satyrs and let me know what you do because I get a lot of my ideas also from, yeah. from other people's say, uh, sadarim and, and rituals. So, uh, Thank yeah, you. you're so welcome. Yeah. Have a great night. I'm so glad that it was such a nice little intimate crowd. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.